following is a podcast of Echo, a middle school ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, visit lifeatvictory.com slash middle school. Hi, there I am. Hi. I don't think I've met a lot of you yet. I'm still relatively new, but my name's Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's all I wanted. Uh, it's lovely to meet all of you. Um, I am... Uh, the student coordinator here for middle school and high school, which is probably why we haven't met yet. I usually work with all the adults, so I'm so glad to get to talk to you guys today. Um, Before we start, I just want to pray over the night. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Wow, I'm so much louder. Okay, so bow your heads. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this beautiful weather. I thank you for Mother's Day, and I thank you for all the mothers that we have. And if there are any mothers that are missing in our lives, I pray um, over those family units as well. And I praise you and thank you for a beautiful day and for what the night's going to hold. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So obviously, I'm not Ben or Alyssa. They're on vacation. Does anybody follow them on social media? Did you see the ostrich the other day that was like very, very close to Mila? I got upset. I was like, that's not safe. Those things are violent. Um, They look pretty, but they're not nice. Um, So since they're on vacation, they'll be back next week, I believe. Um, But I'm going to start a new series called The Fight. And so, as Ben always says, history takers are note makers. Or is it note takers are history makers? I got it like dyslexic in my mind, so whichever it is. Do you know the answer? Yeah. What is it? Note takers are history makers. Okay, I'm going to write that down, and I'm never going to forget it. So if you guys could take notes, that would be great, because I'm sure he's going to ask. Perfect. I have a title for the message, so you could put that at the top, which is Fit for the Fight. And if you want, you could put my name, which is Rachel, just so that you don't forget. Um, And we are going to be in Ephesians 6 for this series, which if you guys have read Ephesians 6, it's all about the armor of God. So we're going to pick out two points of, like, armory, let's call it, um, that God equips you with, which is going to be the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. So um, I don't know if you guys have realized this because I don't know how much you've been at church, but you are actively in a fight. So I wouldn't get too upset. The battle's already been fought. It's already been won. Amen. Amen. But you're going to know that you are in a fight and that the enemy is going to constantly come against you. So you have to be prepared for that fight, which is why God and his master plan gave you an armor. The Bible says that greater is he that is within me than he that's in the world. And so God is never going to leave you unprepared. But it's your responsibility to actively use the weapons that you've been given. So in Ephesians 6, like I said, so you can write that down or look it up in your Bible. It says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which You can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So these two things, one is offensive and one is defensive. And now I know like next to nothing about sports, but I do work with a bunch of guys who love, they love sports. They love all the sports. And they always say that a good defense, wait, a great offense is a good defense. That's my dyslexia again. A good offense is a fantastic defense. So... If we're all in a fight, 
in the spiritual realm. I want to know, has anybody been in a fight in the physical? Like, have you ever gotten on, like, fisticuffs? You got some? Yeah. Someone tripped me and ran away. That That's sad. I'm so sorry. I don't think that counts. <laughs> I have never been in a fight. Um, but I do have an older sister. Who's got siblings? Yeah? Who's the baby? Yeah, me too. So Sarah is three years older than me. And she was high school, and I was probably about your size. I was in middle school, and she was big, okay? She was just a big kid, and I was little and defenseless, so that's how I justify my actions, all right? So where we lived, we had a, a dining room, and then one side of the dining room had a piano, and the other side had a computer table because our computer was, like, massive. It was, like, old school, early thousands computer, and it didn't move. So we had one chair for the both of them. And I didn't like practicing the piano, but I knew that if I didn't, Sarah would tell my mom that I hadn't. So I was like, okay, Sarah, I got to get the computer chair from you because I got to play the piano. She refused, obviously, because she was older and she could tell me what to do. She was a little power hungry. Uh, and so she just like kind of locked her knees around the chair, pulled her hands on the seat and like would not let go. So I'm like dragging or trying to drag her across the floor to kind of get the you know, chair out from under her, which didn't work. And um, so she, like, scoots her butt back, having won, in her opinion, the battle. And I'm feeling a little defeated, but I'm like, you know what? I got this. Don't worry. I found a pencil on the computer desk, and I just kind of, like, stabbed the, like, fleshy part of her upper arm. And I was like, at least I didn't go down without a fight. The conversations that happened after this said argument were, um, I was the loser in those ones, but to this day, she still has a little bit of like a lead pencil at the top of her. Yeah, it's still there, and she's like 30. So I feel like I've won that fight. That's just like a little illustration while I was doing this message. I was like, you know what? I have been in a battle before, and I have thought I may lose, but I'm not going to go down without a fight. Amen. So I love these two pieces of weaponry that we talked about, which is the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. And when we're going to talk about the shield of faith, what we have to realize is that we don't have faith in faith, but we have faith in God. And God then becomes our shield. So for my first point, which you're going to want to write down, that God is my shield. He tells us to uphold the shield of faith. So the question is, what is faith? Faith, by definition, is trust, belief, and confidence. So I put my trust in God, I put my belief in God, I put my confidence in God. Not in a shield that could possibly break or could wear out or be too small, but I put my faith in God who is complete and completes all my needs. So it's going to be completely perfect. And whenever I put my shield up, that's me actively saying, God, I have confidence that you're my shield and I believe that you're my shield and I trust that you're my shield because I don't glorify my faith, I don't exalt my faith, I don't worship my faith. I do all those things to God. So from like basically the first book of the Bible in Genesis with almost the first man, Abram, God says, Genesis 15, 1, after these things of the word, the Lord, uh, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So God from basically the beginning wanted his people to know that he had him covered, that he was always going to protect him, and that he was always going to be with them, because he is the good father, he is the protector, and that's part of who he is, that's part of his character. So if you are, if you are protected by God himself, then you have the greatest defense in the world, world, in the world, because it's the assurance that God is for you. 
So the enemy can't just like run up and mess with you. He can't like give you a noogie and like run away. He has to physically get through your shield first, and that shield is God as long as you have put it in front of you. Many of us think that we can like walk through life and be like, no, I'm good. Like I don't need protection. Life might be a little hard sometimes, but I got this. I can handle it myself. I don't feel weak. I don't feel unprotected. I don't feel defenseless. But in reality, you have put yourself at risk because the enemy is going to see you like that. He's going to see holes in your shield. He's going to see weak points that he can go after you with, and he can attack you because you are unprotected. So let's look back at Ephesians 6, 11 and 16. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then verse 16, it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So... I said a little bit at the beginning, but Paul is using armor, Roman armor specifically, as kind of a visual so that you know how to protect yourself against the enemy, against the fight. So he's also using darts, or like fiery arrows, as an example of the tools or the tactics he's going to use against you. Well, obviously, they're not real, but in Roman times, they would have been pretty long arrows, I would say, so there's a pointy end, right? And then they would dip it into pitch, which is kind of like tar, and then they would light it on fire. So whenever they flung them at you, it was twofold, because if you didn't get hit by some miraculous escape, you probably would have caught on fire or been separated, or you would have been, your natural environment would have caught on fire, so you would have been at risk at that point too. So he uses this because he wants you to realize that it's not just the possibility that you might get hit with an arrow, but it's the double possibility that you're going to be surrounded by fire and then possibly, you know, what arrows do. I'm not going to go in. It's graphic. So the shield of faith is not a small shield, like I said. It's not weak. Did anybody see Endgame? Are you guys old enough to see? Okay, yeah, you're old enough to see. So I kept thinking about, like, Captain America's, like, circular shield. And I was like, that's not big enough. Like, he's a, he's a hefty guy. He's, like, a big guy. But it was just, like, that was what was in my head whenever I was thinking about this. So if you think about Captain America's shield with all its dur durability and the fact that it's going to protect you in any situation, you can kind of like the similarities there because honestly that's what was going through my head. Um, so whenever the wicked one comes against you and throws fiery darts or arrows at you, you're always going to be protected. So when you're going to go to school, you're like hanging out with your friends, the enemy is just going to be throwing these darts at you. He's going to be throwing them and attacking your identity, your confidence, at who you think you are. And so you're going to need that shield. You're going to need that shield against the arrows. So as we said, how are you going to fight something that you don't know what it looks like? It's a figurative dart. It's a figurative arrow. So I'm going to label those for you just so that you know in your life whenever you can recognize like a, when a dart is being thrown at you. They look like thoughts of impurity, selfishness, doubt, fear, anxiety, rebelliousness, anger, frustration, stubbornness, anything that doesn't bring life, anything that is not a fruit of the spirit, some of those like lies that have been told over you or some of those emotions that you can let run your life which don't bring life, those can be darts. And they are planned by the enemy to burn and to destroy you. So remember, twofold. If it doesn't get you one way, it'll get you another way. So like the enemy thinks, I'm going to put fear and I'm going to lodge it in her mind. So anytime she walks into school or anytime she gets in a car or anytime she's in an environment that she isn't familiar with, she's going to feel anxious. And then she's going to feel isolated. And then she's going to feel like she can't tell anybody because they're not going to understand. 
or he's going to be like, I'm going to put a thought of impurity in your heart, and I'm just going to lock it there. So anytime you think about the opposite sex, or the same sex possibly, you're going to feel shame, and doubt, and fear again, and you're going to feel isolated, and you're going to feel like you can't talk to anybody, because if you're isolated by yourself, and you're unprotected, then you become an easy target for him. He's going to do whatever he can to doubt who you are right now, in this moment, at this age, because then you're never going to go past that and become the person that God has planned for you in your life. Psalm 18 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven that he is a shield to all those who trust in him. So this is my second point. You can go ahead and write it down. That his word is my weapon. Right? This is where we get to talk about the good stuff. Personally, considering my experience with pencils, I like being able to fight back. The sword is the part that I'm interested in. So can you imagine if you are a warrior and you're going into battle and you're like, all right, you got your little checklist. You're like, I got my helmet, check. I got my belt, check. I got my shoes, they're on my feet, check. And then you just like go out and fight the battle. <laughs> you're not going to last very long. It's like dodgeball whenever you're just kind of like running around hoping you don't get hit. If you don't have anything to fight back, then it's not a fight. So, like I said, personally, I'm the kind of person that wants to be prepared for whatever situation. And I love God because he's like, I got something for your defense and I got something for your offense, which is actually just him in two separate ways. So if you're putting your faith in God and that becomes your shield, then you're putting your um, time in the word, which is the sword of the spirit. And you're learning more about God and who he is, and that's going to become your offense. So the word says that the grass could wither, the flower could fade, but the word of the Lord will last forever. And so I'm going to stand on the truth of what God says about me and what he said about you because I've got the sword of the spirit. Um, a couple weeks ago, Pastor John came up to us in prayer. Like I said, I work here, so he's essentially my boss. And he challenged all of us to put, pull out one lie that we believed about ourselves. And so he's middle-aged. I'm much older than you. I'm like almost 30. So if you look at your life where you're at now, and those people are still dealing with the lies in their life that the enemy has spoken over them, so much so that Pastor John and all his pastoral, pastoral, with all his heart, is going to say, okay, these are the people that are in my life that I care about, and they're probably believing lies, and they need the truth to combat it, then how much more are you guys going to need it? whenever you're in your life right now. This isn't a battle that goes away whenever you're 18. This isn't a battle that goes away whenever you get married. This isn't a battle that goes away whenever you hit whatever age Pastor John is. This is a battle you're going to walk out your entire life. So you need to be prepared in every situation for whatever comes against you. And you don't need to be like a Navy SEAL about it. You don't need to be like super bulked up and like, yeah, the enemy's never going to get me. I'm always on defense. No, but you need to know what truths are in your life. So... This is my challenge to you. If the sword of the spirit is the word of God, then if you don't know the word of God, you're not going to be prepared to fight back. So what you need to do is find a couple of Bible verses, a couple of verses that you can tell yourself, repeat to yourself. You can call up on a moment's notice because whenever those thoughts come against you, whenever those worries or those anxieties come against you, what you already have in your heart is going to be so much easier to attain than like, all right, I'm feeling anxious. I gotta open up my Bible or my Bible app. And I gotta look up something that applies. No, if you already have it in your heart, if you already have it in your mind, then it's gonna be an automatic response. It's gonna be like, oh, I'm feeling anxious. 
well, I don't have anything to worry about because the Bible says X, Y, and Z. So, Revelation 12 says, when we, we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So, in other words, Jesus has already done everything. He's already fought the battle. He's already won the battle. His sacrifice has already paid the price. So, when the enemy does attack me, and he tells me whatever lie that I'm believing, and the worship team can come out and join me if they like, Whenever the enemy attacks me and tells me this lie or that lie about myself, I can spit back and say, no, I'm a chosen generation. I'm a part of a royal priesthood. I am the light. I am the salt of the earth because Christ is in me. And those are truths that I stand on whenever I'm feeling whatever, whenever the enemy comes to attack me. And then that gives me the authority and it gives me the stance to say, you know, I recognize you as a liar. And so can I tell you where you should go and what you should do and who you are because you have no place in my life. Because Jesus has overcome, he has died for my sins, and I'm forgiven whether or not you like it. So we're going to go back into one more song. We're going to take a minute. And while we do that, I just want you to think about one lie. One thing that maybe you haven't even called it a lie in your life before. Maybe you haven't thought of it as a lie. Maybe it's an something a friend said over you, maybe it's something a teacher said over you, maybe it's something your parents or a mentor or a guardian has said over you where you're like, I don't think that's me at all. They might have said it not knowing any better. They might have said it, you know, haphazardly, not even thinking of how it would affect you, but it sat with you and it's something that you can't get over because you think that's just who I am. That's just part of who I am. I want you to think about whatever that looks like. And as we go into the next song, I want you to pray about it. Just say, God, I don't think this is me. I don't think that I'm too much. I don't think that I'm a burden. I don't think that, you know, you consider me purposeless or callless or without vision for my life. I think that you have all those things for me. And I just want you to take that moment and rest with it and see if God talks back and tells you anything, anything truth about your life. So we can all come up if you want.